On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the new Model S gets even newer with an update to its taillights, headlights, and autopilot hardware. Plus, Tesla climbs up the charts of the most desired luxury brands, good news for those of you looking for a discount on your premium connectivity subscription, and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey here with you for episode 343. That's a palindrome of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for February 27th, 2022. To my left, Daisy the Boxer, and I am recording early this week, Thursday night. I will explain why I'm doing that towards the end of the show, but the uh, I, I say that because I need to put out the usual caveat that is this. If I happen to miss anything big that happens at the end of the week, Please accept my apologies, and I will be sure to discuss it and analyze it on next week's podcast. I promise you. Uh, speaking of the the period between when I record and when the show publishes, I did get bit by that last week because, as I told you on the show last week, April 1st was going to be the date for the Giga Texas grand opening, and then not long after I re- put the show to bed and uploaded it, Elon changed it. April 7th is, in fact, the new date. Uh, And as of this recording on late Thursday night, February 24th, April 7th is still correct. Uh, By the way, before I get going with the news this week, and as usual, there is plenty of it, I want to say that I hope Kaylee and her fiancé listen to the entire show this week. Kaylee, that's a hint. All right, let's get rolling. First up, the headline story... Remember the new Model S taillights that I talked about a few shows back? Well, that was spotted on a showroom car in Taiwan underneath a cover in a Tesla showroom. It wasn't supposed to be revealed yet, uh, but it put pictures of it made its way onto the internet. Well, it is now official. If you've got an order for the new Model S, you might get them on your car depending on when your delivery date is. In short, the further out your delivery date, the higher the likelihood that you will get them. Now, I believe I've got a little bit more information than the internet has on this, uh, at least, again, as of when I recorded this. And the reason for that is because a little birdie inside Tesla sent me the actual internal documentation on these changes. And I will read you excerpts from them here, the good stuff. So, in part, quote, we have made several hardware updates to Model S and Model X and will soon begin delivering cars with these updates in North America. In addition to a small number of customer-facing changes, we have made many improvements focused on manufacturing efficiency, reduced overall part count, minimal region-specific, excuse me, regional-specific components, and a common body design for all regions. So let's talk about these individual pieces as laid out in this internal documentation that was sent to me. So first up, we have an integrated charge port. Tesla describes as such, Model S and Model X now feature an updated charge port with all electronics integrated into the charge port module. 
This new design allows us to use the same charge port architecture for all global markets moving forward. The charge port door now opens vertically, similar to the Model 3 and Model Y. If uh, you're not familiar with the Model S previously, uh, I mean, up until now, it's sort of flipped out uh, like a, I guess, pretty much, well, like a suicide door. So, not, you know, hinged in the back and then uh, flipped outward that way. So next up, the tail lamps. This is the big one, the tail lights. Tesla's internal documentation reads as follows. Model S's tail lamps now feature dual rear fog lights and amber turn signals. These are already found on Model X, and this approach future-proofs both Model S and Model X for regional lighting requirements. The new tail lights have improved color and brightness consistency across the entire module, and the illuminated portion of the lights have been slimmed down and diffused for a sleek look that's also more consistent with our other models. In addition to the new tail lamps, Model S also features a new center high-mounted stop lamp, that would be the third brake light, that illuminates when the friction brakes are applied or during high regenerative braking. Similar to the updated tail lamps, this light features improved color and light consistency. Next, headlamps. Model S's new headlamps feature a powerful LED projector in place of our previous reflector system. The projector's light source is controlled via software, which allows us to project a unique beam pattern to account for regional lighting requirements. And then there's something else. Here's the something else I was alluding to that I have yet to see on the rest of the internet up to this point. Tesla writes that the uh, new Model S and Model X are dropping radar. Joining the Model 3 and the Model Y in that particular department after those cars did so back in May of 2021, so uh, about nine months ago. But the new S and X up until now had been shipping with radar, even while the, the uh, even though they were redesigned, they were new while the three and the Y had dropped it. So here's the situation with the new Model S. If you want one, uh, I, I won't read you the rest of the specific wordage from the internal documentation, but the message is clear. I will sum it up as follows. Tesla is not going to give you a car with the new lights if the car that you're assigned, the VIN you're assigned, has the old ones. They basically say, in so many words, you got what you ordered. And it mentions in there that if a customer is particularly insistent they can, in short, go back, go to the back of the line, basically. So the bottom line here is if you're patient enough, uh, you can get these if you already have an order coming up. But you might have to wait longer to get your car. So uh, I will say I can't wait to see what these look like at night. Uh, in fact, just as I, after I made that note and, bef and just before I recorded, someone did post a picture of the car, presumably a, a manufacturer car from Fremont, just doing you know running around the hot, the freeway. There is a picture of it at night, not of the third, the new third brake light, because if you remember the the third brake light on the Model S up until now, it's at the very top of the rear glass, running all the way across, not just like a little uh, you know short segment the way we have on the three and the Y and the X actually for that matter but runs all the way across, but it's 
they're like, you can see they're individual LED lights. So I'm curious to see if the new third brake light is a, you know, sort of just consistent, you know, next gen uh, LED line, you know, like a light bar kind of thing where you cannot see the individual LED lights in there. But getting a look at the, at these new tail lights lit up at night, I think they look good. It's a, it's a little bit of a refresh, just a nice, sleeker, modern look. The, uh, the chrome belt line, that chrome bar that, that sort of uh, fades into the taillights and runs across you know the trunk lid, uh, the middle of the trunk lid that says TESLA on it, that's gone, which I think is going to be, a, again, another change for the better, just a nice modernization, just bringing the you know little, little freshness to the rear of the Model S and these taillights will finish that off. But I think they look good. I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, you know, again, haven't seen them in real life yet, but just from the picture, I like what I see. I mean, they still have the j- same general appearance, although again, now uh, certainly you will definitely notice if you see amber turn signals here in the United States. I, I believe amber turn signals are mandated in Europe on all cars. They're not here in the US. So uh, for those of us in America, we are not used to seeing an amber turn signal on uh, the Model S, but we will be soon. Now, uh, the removal of the radar, that's a bit of a surprise, but also not. I mean, on the one hand, Tesla very deliberately left radar in the new S and the new X when they first started deliveries. I mean, in the case of the S, it started last summer in June even after the Model 3 and the Model Y, as I said, had already eliminated it. So that seemed to suggest that Tesla was hedging its bet with radar and or otherwise still believed that radar would be beneficial in some capacity to the higher end, lower volume cars in the form of the S and the X and perhaps the Roadster moving forward, perhaps the Cybertruck moving forward. But of course... On the other hand, the not surprising side of the argument in my own brain here, I mean, with the company now having fully committed to, what, 90% of its cars or more not having radar, in that sense, it's not really a surprise that the Model S and the Model X are finally following suit and dropping the radar because the future, no matter where it leads, basically has to be vision only at this point for Tesla. Also, uh, if you ever needed proof that Tesla does not wait around for traditional model years to make noticeable customer-facing changes to cars, because they also make a lot of uh, changes to the cars throughout a model year that aren't customer-facing, that are just under-the-hood stuff, but but the uh, the noticeable stuff as well, this is proof positive of that. The new Model S is eight, okay, call it nine months old by the time the first customers take delivery of a Model S with these new tail lamps and headlamps. And in, the, in, in eight months, after completely redesigning the interior and slightly refreshing the exterior, they've already tweaked the look of the car again. So... I would imagine that there there can't be too many of you new Model S owners out there quite yet. I mean, there were just under, I went and looked up, I checked, checked the numbers. There were just under 
25,000 new S's and X's delivered total between the two models in 2021. And you figure that 95% of those, of of that 25,000, were the new S since the Model X didn't start trickling out until the end of October and has been very, uh, very slow to get ramped up. So, you know, add in the first couple months of 2022, and let's say you've got maybe 30,000 new Model S's at the most that will, in time, be something of a unicorn. The new S, but with the old taillights. Because before too long, as Tesla marches on, the, the march of progress continues unabated, the new S with these new tail lamps and headlamps will be the majority of the new S's out there. So never a dull moment in the world of Tesla, but it's always fun. That's, uh, that's the good part. Next up this week, Tesla is climbing up the ranks of a fairly important category, particularly in the premium and luxury vehicle space. That category being Mindshare. It's up to number three on that list. I saw this story on InsideEVs.com, who reports, Kelly Blue Book publishes a study it calls the Brand Watch Luxury Report every quarter that looks at buyers' consideration for the various premium car brands that are available in the United States. In its Q4 2021 report, KBB found that Tesla is in third place in these standings for the first time in seven years behind BMW and Lexus. BMW was actually first in the previous iteration of this market study, but it has since been surpassed by Lexus and Tesla is closing in fast. Both had a brand consideration percentage of 19%, which has now risen to 20%, while for Tesla, the percentage has grown from 15% to 18%, noting an accelerated shift in buyer's consideration. And the models that grew the most in terms of the consideration in Q4 compared to Q3 are both Teslas. The Model 3, 56% growth, and the Model Y, 43%. Even the old but recently refreshed Model S sedan had some growth, but it was only 2%, probably because it's been almost impossible to get up until this point. That's just my own side note there. KBB also notes that, quote, Tesla had the biggest increase in shopping consideration of any luxury brand in the fourth quarter, up three percentage points to 18% of all luxury shoppers looking at a Tesla, or one in six shoppers. You know, this might not be the most scientific thing to quantify, but if Kelly Blue Book is using the same methodology across the board, then it does give a decent idea of how shoppers are thinking. And quite frankly, it to me, as a certainly a Tesla fanboy, but it's no surprise that Tesla continues to climb this leaderboard. Although, what makes it notable, remember, Tesla is doing all of this without a shred of traditional advertising. There was no Super Bowl commercial. There are no website ads you will find anywhere on the internet. There are no magazine back cover ads. Nothing. It's all word of mouth. It's owners like you and me telling our friends, neighbors, and family about these cars and those people being curious enough after hearing from us to look deeper into it. And stop and think about that for one second. 
Do you realize how good a product has to be in order to effectively sell itself like that? Again, I don't want to get too much into Tesla fanboy mode here, but, I mean, you are listening to a weekly Tesla podcast that's been going for, like, 340-something weeks straight. But I'm guessing the list of products in your life, including, and I, I count myself in this, the list of products in our lives that we can claim that for, that, that it effectively sells itself, is pretty short. I mean, I'll say, too, this will be a fun list to track next year and the year after as the Cybertruck enters the market. And I say that not necessarily because the Cybertruck is going to sell a huge volume. Remember that Elon has repeatedly said that he sees a quarter million as the full volume annual run rate of the upcoming stainless steel beast. But think back right now, right now, just take a minute Remember back to November of 2019? I know that feels like five years ago because everything before the pandemic feels like five, ten years ago. But just take yourself back mentally to right after the Cybertruck was unveiled. Do you guys remember how the Cybertruck was being talked about everywhere? You couldn't escape it. It was online, constant chatter. It was in your workplace. It was in your social circle. The Cybertruck... Was, was this just incredible, like you couldn't buy that kind of publicity, really. You had to design it and unveil it to the world. So now, with, you know, with your brain back in that mindset from November of 2019, now imagine the Cybertruck being on the road. Picture yourself seeing one on the road where they're not exactly going to blend in with all the other vehicles on the road. Those cyber trucks, when they start rolling out, are going to be rolling billboards, which is somewhat ironic, I'd like to add, because the cyber trucks don't have any Tesla branding whatsoever, no badges, no nothing on the outside of the truck. But people will be like, what the heck? It's the cyber truck. And seeing it in person, I promise you from seeing it in person myself, is going to inspire people to go to Tesla.com. And then from there, they might not buy the Cybertruck, but they might see the Model 3 that starts at $45,000 with a 272-mile range, and they might start to think, hmm, well, maybe I can get one of these. Just watch. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen with this Kelly Blue Book brand watch luxury report in the coming couple of years. Next up this week, Tesla has begun offering power rear liftgate retrofits, i.e. trunk, power trunk lid, for older Model 3s like mine. But they're doing this in China, not here. At least not at the moment. I saw this story on Teslarati who writes, Tesla China's customer support team announced the launch of its tailgate upgrade service for the Model 3. Tesla's customer support team invited owners to book an appointment to get their power tailgate retrofit and experience it firsthand. Tesla China's tailgate retrofit service for the Model 3 costs the U.S. equivalent of $628.32. The upgrade comes with a three-year warranty and includes UI display feature additions. 
As shown in a video that Tesla China posted, the tailgate retrofit allows drivers to automatically close their tailgate via a button at the back, the Tesla app, or the infotainment system, the center screen. So uh, those of you like me with older Model 3s, and, and side note here, my car isn't even four years old yet, but it's kind of weird that I have to objectively classify it as an older Model 3 at this point. Anyway, those of you in that same boat with me are no doubt thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Will this be available in the U.S.? Sadly, the answer at the moment is just, we don't know, but I sure hope it will. My hope is that this is being piloted in China to see what the take rate is and what the impact is on the service teams there who are performing these upgrades and then if all goes well, my hope is that it will be offered here before too long. Now, for me personally, given that I plan to own my car for a long time yet, I would definitely pay 600, 650 bucks for this. That would be a price I would be willing to pay. There have been way too many times in the three and a half plus years I've had the car where I have bumped my head on the open trunk lid because it didn't go all the way up because it was cool outside and the gas struts powering that, you know, send the trunk uh, lift gate or the, the trunk lid up didn't send it up all the way. A fun fact, by the way, this also happens with DeLorean doors. If it's hot out, the gas inside the door strut expands and the door goes up faster and stronger. If it's cold outside, the opposite happens. The gas contracts and the strut pushes up, doesn't push up, and the door goes up more slowly. And sometimes not all the way. You got to kind of just nudge it up the rest of the way and then it'll usually stay. And if you watch Back to the Future, the, any of the three of them, if you watch the trilogy closely, you can see that happen in certain scenes in the movies where the door kind of droops down a little bit. Anyway, bringing it back to Tesla, I am definitely well aware before you write in that there are a number of aftermarket options for a power rear liftgate, but with all due respect to those vendors, vendors, pardon me, I am just personally not comfortable with the uh, idea of voiding any remaining warranty that I have back there in case something did go wrong after I did one of these aftermarket updates. If I could get it through Tesla, it would be warrantied for three years, as you heard. And you'd get the center screen hookup as well so that you could open and close it from inside the car, which would also be really sweet. So if anybody from the Tesla US team that has a hand in this in some way is listening, please bring this to the US Feel free to do my car first. I volunteer my car as tribute uh, because I guess, you know, if I think about it, the power rear liftgate is really about the only major sort of usability feature that, that my car doesn't have that the newer Model 3s have. I know there's the octavalve heat pump, but that's not like a thing. It's an efficiency thing, but it's not like a... a feature that you can actively use. It's just, it is definitely an improvement in the car that the earlier Model 3s don't have, but yeah, anyway, 
I'd love to get it. And I'm sure a number of you out there would too. So hopefully Tesla is gonna bring that stateside before too long. Here's some good news though that does apply to United States Model 3 owners and all Tesla owners. An option for an annual premium connectivity subscription is now live. Previously, it had been $9.99 a month on a per month basis with no ability to subscribe for a a one-year period with any kind of discount. It was just $9.99 a month and that was it. I wanna say thank you to my friend Christy from Austin, Texas, who was the first person to flag this to me. She, she broke the news to me. She wrote in with screenshot proof, as well as this note that uh, yes, Tesla is now offering an annual subscription for premium connectivity. So instead of paying $9.99 a month, you can pay $99 a year and thus save yourself about 20 bucks a year. You do have to have your Tesla app updated to the latest version. And then once you do, uh, you can go to upgrades, manage, and then switch to annual plan within the app. You can also do it on the touchscreen in the car as well. Now, this comes after as not a Tesla app, that website noted, that a friend of the podcast, Zach, whose Twitter handle is at BLKMDL3, he had tweeted Elon back in December requesting this very thing, as I'm sure I mean, many people have flagged it, uh, and Zach was able to get Elon's attention to, with it, to which Elon replied at the time, good idea, meaning suggesting the annual discounted subscription option. And what's cool here is this isn't even close as probably all of you are pretty well aware by now, unless you're super brand new to the show, but this isn't even close to the first time that an idea tweeted at Elon has become a real thing, which I always think is pretty cool. Now, I've said this before, I will constructively say this again. I do genuinely wish that that we had a better, more formal and more organized way of making suggestions to Tesla and giving feedback to Tesla than just tweeting at the CEO and hoping that the guy with 75 million Twitter followers happens to see your tweet and your suggestion amongst the you know constant sea of tweets that, that Elon must always be getting. But still, don't get me wrong on this. It is awesome that people now have the option to save 20 bucks a year by going with the annual option on the premium connectivity. Here's another fun story that was sent in via listener and Roadster owner Greg from the Gold Country foothills up near Sacramento, California. An original Tesla Roadster, yes, the OG Tesla, has won a 24-hour EV race competition. This was accomplished in, uh, did the most number of laps, 131 laps, totaling 777 miles in the span of 24 hours on a closed track. I want to read you a an excerpt from the post on the Tesla Motors Club forums from the driver of this vehicle, a German who posts under the username of warden underscore Clife or Cliff, C-L-Y-F-F-E, who writes, the Roadster was the same that won the first 24 hours endurance race, the Eco GP in uh, Oschersleben in 2018. 
It got a new 3.0 battery, which is, if you're not familiar, there was a, a battery upgrade offered to the original Roadster that would give it a significantly higher range. So, uh, as the, so the driver continues here with this post. It was already equipped with a slightly modified uh, Jetimo charger, and then, otherwise you would have no chance at all, the rules allow any team to use only a 32-amp, 380-volt, three-phase socket. So with single-phase charging, you can't make it. So, uh, And he adds, we won in 2018 with a good 2.0, meaning uh, the battery and the car, and would have done so this time again. Just the higher capacity and clever driving tactic made it almost a crushing victory. Besides, all other teams had truckloads of equipment, monitors, tires, engineers, and other very important staff members. We were four elder guys with four folding chairs, a portable pizza oven, and a portable 22-kilowatt Chatamo DC charger, and we had a heck of a lot of fun. Must be a smack in the face to others that the oldest car wins this with a lead of 19 full laps. Each lap is 2.84 miles. So yes, the Roadster won handily doing 19 more laps than the next closest competitor. So uh, this is crazy to read. I mean, the Roadster is much older than the other cars in this race, which, by the way, if you're curious... It was a pretty wide and pretty varied field, which included a Jaguar I-Pace, a VW ID3, a Polestar 2, a Mustang Mach-E, a Kia EV6, a Renault Zoe, and a Tesla Model S, among a few others. So congratulations to everyone involved. I'm not sure if any of you are listeners of this show, but it sounds like those quote-unquote four elder guys with their portable pizza oven, had a great time. They had a great time doing this, and they showed what the OG Tesla can still do. Just imagine what the next one will be capable of. And let's see here. I've got a couple more stories this week. So next up, Tesla is now offering fleet sales. I saw this on the Tesla Motors Reddit. You can now go to tesla.com slash fleet and uh, there is a brand new page there laying out the benefits, as Tesla sees them, of going Tesla for your vehicle fleet. Let me read you a couple things from it here. They say, with low cost of ownership and zero emissions, owning a Tesla fleet benefits your business, your drivers, and the environment. State and local incentives for electric vehicles also help to reduce overall costs. They cite driver benefits like convenient charging with access to the supercharger network, mobile service and remote diagnostics, carpool lane access and priority parking, and five-star NHTSA crash test ratings. Company benefits, they cite, never pay for gas again, low cost of ownership, including no regularly required maintenance, low charging costs, over-the-air software updates, and industry-leading residual value. And then community benefits, Tesla cites safer roads with very low probability of injury, as tested by NHTSA, they, uh, including autopilot and FSD, supports local charging network expansion and reduced smog and pollution. So on the one hand, uh, this is like a theme, I guess, this week of being surprised and not. So on the one hand, 
I am surprised that Tesla didn't do this sooner, but on the other hand, I'm surprised they're doing this. Now, if that makes no sense, let me explain myself. By the, I'm surprised they didn't do this sooner, I mean that because it's pretty obvious what the benefits are to anybody that takes a considered look at the math. I mean, the fuel savings alone is a huge advantage. The maintenance savings alone is a huge advantage. The ability to track cars via the app is a huge advantage. Plus, you're greening your fleet and taking a ton of emissions out of the air if you manage, say, you know, say you got 20 cars or whatever it is in your fleet. So there's that. And then by, I am surprised they're doing this, what I mean by that is that demand, as you all know, is so nuts right now that they can't even fill the orders that they have now fast enough. So I'm kind of surprised that they would welcome orders for dozens or potentially hundreds of cars at a time. Now, not every fleet order is going to be 100,000 cars, like with Hertz, but even an order 0.1% that size, multiple orders of magnitude less, let's say again, a 100 car order, means that 99 regular customers might have to wait longer to get their car if the fleet order is prioritized. Now, we certainly don't know if that will be the case, but as I've commented with the Hertz order, it would obviously make sense to batch the fleet orders in production, particularly if most or even all of the cars in that fleet order are of an identical configuration. But in any case, this is definitely great for Tesla and for those who manage fleets of cars, but hopefully it's not going to be a source of frustration for regular families and customers out there who are just trying to order one Tesla and already have to wait a while in most cases. But the, the most upvoted comment on the Tesla Motors Reddit thread about this probably sums it up best. So I wanna read that and give credit. It's from Reddit user Performance Gardening, who says, I used to work in IT at a pretty big shop and I managed a fleet of hundreds of MacBooks for my users. Having a cohesive suite of management tools where you can put specific types of users into groups and configure features, install apps, monitor in a, in a meaningful ongoing way per group, per user, etc., is a huge feature. Tracking stolen devices, disabling devices that have been stolen, remotely turning on cameras, making sure the only driver on the car is the employee assigned to it, etc., 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 other car ca uh, companies can't offer these features right now, and they are years behind Tesla in the groundwork needed to offer them. Sure, some folks are saying that Tesla can't handle the order volume they have now, but think about how many Tesla production facilities are just about to come online and are currently still spinning up. So uh, performance gardening, well said on that. Finally this week, we have an update on Cyberpunk 2077, the hit video game from uh, that released in late 2020, for those of you with the MCU3, which is everybody with a new Model S or Model X, as well as those of you with the very latest builds 
of the Model 3 and the Model Y. So Elon had made a, kind of an innocuous, innocuous pardon me, reply to a tweet from the official Cyberpunk game account saying simply, great game. We know that Elon's a fan. He's just tweeted that. Great game. So I happened to be online. I responded to Elon there with a question asking for an update on when that great game is going to be coming to the new SNX and again, presumably the new MCU 3 equipped 3s and the Ys as well. Because remember, it was playable back at the Plaid S launch event last June. I saw it running with my own eyes and I could have played it if I had waited a few minutes in line at one of the cars to do so. But anyway, I am uh, happy that I got my first Twitter response from Elon in quite some time when he did respond to me saying, quote, we're working through the general case of making Steam games work on a Tesla versus just specific titles. The former is obviously where we should be long term. Now, what's interesting about Elon's response to me there is how if I'm interpreting this correctly, it means that Tesla might be trying to get Proton, which if you're if you're not familiar with it, it is a compatibility layer for Windows games to be able to run on Linux-based operating systems. And if you weren't already aware, Tesla's OS in our cars is Linux-based. And so, again, if I'm understanding this correctly, it sounds like Elon is basically trying to turn all of our cars into gigantic Steam Decks. By the way, if you were lucky enough to get a Steam Deck at launch this weekend, if you've got it shipping out to you right now, uh, congratulations, and I'm jealous because... I am way back in line. On the day the pre-orders went live, the website was getting so hammered that I just couldn't even get through for a couple hours. And my Steam Deck's not come until after Q2 of 2022. So I've got a ways uh, to wait yet. But in any case, both the Steam Deck and your Tesla are portable. Now, the Steam Deck's a little bit more portable. It can go into into buildings, for instance, and onto planes. Your car can't do that. But uh, but yeah, I think that analogy fits. I think that basically is it. Like Tesla seems like they're trying to turn the cars into Steam Decks, which is gigantic Steam Decks, which I think is pretty cool. Anyway, uh, if Tesla can figure out that Proton compatibility, that will open the door for a lot more games on Tesla's, and I'm talking a lot more. I will obviously be keeping an eye on this for my fellow gamers out there, since this completely intersects my two worlds, my video game day job and my Tesla side gig here with, with, and with Ride the Lightning. That is everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news this week, but stick with me. I will be back momentarily with the, the uh, Ride the Lightning hotline, but first... I wanted to mention that this episode of Ride the Lightning is brought to you by my friends at Motor Trend and their new EV podcast, which you can check out. It's called Inevitable. Note the EV, which is capitalized, in-ev, in-ev, inevitable. It is no secret that the automobile is changing. You've all seen there have been an avalanche of new EVs 
trying to catch up and even beat Tesla in the race. You got Rivian, you got Lucid, you got Fisker trying to come back, just to name a few. They all have the same goal in mind, going green. I mean, that's where the industry is going. And it's all taking off faster than the new Model S Plaid. Now, fortunately, to get a hold of this electric renaissance, you have a podcast with two veteran automotive journalists from Motor Trend, Ed Lowe and Johnny Lieberman. They will interview celebrity guests, industry leaders, car folk, and chat about all things cars, all things energy, all things Elon, all things technology, and our future. These car savants who once had gasoline running through their veins are now charged up for what the EV revolution holds next because it is, after all, inevitable. And that's you. That's the uh, podcast, The Inevitable. So, you know, if you're looking for more, obviously I'm talking all Tesla all the time. If you want to hear the Motor Trend crew talking about some of the other EVs out there, check it out, The Inevitable. Subscribe and listen to The Inevitable wherever you get your podcasts. All right, quick break. Be right back with the Ride the Lightning Hotline right after this. Time for your phone calls on the Ride the Lightning Hotline, and I've got plenty of good ones from all of you lined up. A reminder that if you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, give me a call. There are two easy ways you can do that. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can take that same 90-second or less call and actually call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. That toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted, which is what I'm doing with them, or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up, here's Joe from Portsmouth in the UK. Hi, Ryan. Joe here from Portsmouth in the UK. Super quick question for you that merges both Tesla and gaming together. So I thought you'd be the perfect person to ask. Um, you reported a couple of weeks ago that Tesla vehicles will be included in the new Gran Turismo game set to come out on PlayStation very soon. And as an Xbox player, owner, fan, etc., I wondered if you knew anything about why Tesla vehicles cannot be found in the giant car library within your game of the year, Forza Horizon 5. Uh, I assumed it was just because Tesla weren't, you know, didn't have the means to put their cars in games or whatever. But obviously with the Gran Turismo news, that's not the case. I didn't know if you had any connections in both the world of Tesla and or gaming that could help answer that question. Thank you for everything you do. Speak soon. Cheers. Bye. Joe, thanks for your call. And I always do enjoy speaking to this topic for now the second time this week, which is great. So I appreciate you giving me another opportunity to do so. You know, I think at this point, it's been long enough because the, the story I'm about to tell you is from almost four years ago now. So I think it's been long enough that I'm not speaking out of school here. Given my uh, unique position in my in the Tesla verse in that I'm, you know, I've got some connections to both the Tesla world and the video game world and specifically Xbox. 
I, four years ago, tried to play matchmaker. So I reached out to high up people, high up some high up contacts that I have at Microsoft, and I managed to also find uh, the right contact at Tesla, who I can say is no longer there, which is part of the reason that I'm comfortable sharing this story four years later. So I got as far as having an in-person meeting with the person at Tesla, explaining what I was trying to do and why I thought that video games would be a good thing for Tesla to be a part of. And I connected that person to my contact at Microsoft. Now, beyond that, that's as far as my, if you want to even call it involvement, and I use you know heavy air quotes on that, but beyond that, it was completely out of my hands, and, and I never really heard anything from anyone after that, which it wasn't my business at that point. There would have had to have been a business deal made uh, between Microsoft and Tesla uh, at that point, or you know other companies with Tesla as well, like Sony. Now, um, I am very happy to see. Speaking of Sony, the Tesla te- or Tesla is represented in Gran Turismo Seven, which is coming out in a couple weeks now, and we don't know which Tesla's in the car yet, in the game yet. But Tesla is one of the confirmed brands, which I think I mentioned already. But I will say it's, it's that's great to see. But I I would be lying by saying that I, I'm not disappointed that Forza Horizon 5 came out with nary a Tesla to be found in it. Now, that could be for any million reasons. It doesn't have to be licensing. It doesn't. It could be timing. It, there's a lot there that I won't get into here. But optimistically speaking, if Sony got Tesla to sign on the dotted line, because, by the way, it's the video game company that has to pay Tesla here for the license of the cars not the other way around, then I am hopeful that it's just going to be a matter of time before Tesla does make its return to the Forza franchise as well. Thank you, Joe. Let's stay in the UK and talk to Paul from Hertfordshire. Hey, Ryan, this is Paul calling from Hertfordshire in the UK. Uh, I have a question. Uh, I recently took delivery of a Model Y long range. Um, Super excited. It's great to have... Uh, a Tesla back on the driveway again. Uh, The question I had for you and and maybe for your audience is um, there's an acceleration boost option that you can purchase. And so I guess my two questions for that are, um, A, do you happen to know whether that particular option has a time limit? So does does that option disappear after X months uh, or years of ownership? Uh, And then secondly, you know, is is it really noticeable, right? I mean, the car is pretty fast anyway, so does that acceleration boost make a significant difference? Um, keen to hear your thoughts. Thanks for everything you do. Really love listening to the show every week. Thank you. First up, Paul, my apologies for horrifically butchering the pronunciation of your town. I, I, I did not get that correct at all. But uh, congratulations on your new Model Y, And I am thrilled to answer these questions for you. First, regarding a time limit to purchase the acceleration boost, no, there is no time limit. Tesla will happily take that money from you today or in a few years from now, should you decide to wait a while. Second, as to whether or not you can tell the difference, I have to caveat this by saying that I have not personally driven a boosted Model Y or boosted Model 3 
for that matter. But what I can say with confidence is that universally on Tesla forums, on Reddit, etc., everyone who has purchased the acceleration boost has said there is a very noticeable difference. No one that I have seen post about it has expressed any buyer's remorse. And you know, it's really the most sensible way to get more performance. You're getting a good bit of what you'd get if you bought the actual performance model Y. Not all of it, certainly, including you're not getting the larger brake rotors and the red calipers, you know, the, the, the physical bits. But you do get a good bit of the acceleration and you're not stuck with the larger wheels whose tires cost more to replace and don't last as long. So if you decide to do it at some point, Paul, have fun and I am confident that indeed you will. Let's hear from a regular caller. It's our friend Rich from Seattle. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, Ryan. Rich Tong from Seattle here. How are you doing? Just wanted to touch base with you and sorry about your curb rash. I do want to tell you that you can get these ring things. They sort of glue onto the wheels and they're sort of little glue rubber pieces that go all the way around. Um, I actually bought them, but I never put them on because I do think they take away from the appearance of the rims. And I, like you, have curved my rims a lot. So I hope they get fixed soon. But you can get these little rash guard things if you want. Back to you, Ryan. Bye. Thank you, Rich. I do genuinely appreciate the sympathy. I mean, it's hardly the worst thing in the world. But as a person who cares a lot about his car, for better or for worse, again, I'm not saying that's mentally the healthiest thing of me, the way I obsess over the, the taking care of this car. It didn't feel good when I did that. And I am very familiar with the type of product you're mentioning. The brand that I've heard of is Alloy Gators. But honestly, not only do I, like you, also not like the look of them, even in a black or a satin gray to match the wheels, but... In this case, I curbed it so bad that I don't think the alloy gators would have saved me. But I'm eager to see how the shop does with them this coming week. Hopefully, they're going to be indistinguishable from how they came out of the factory. In fact, because they're, I'm actually going to have three of them done because one, well, forget, I won't bore you with the details, but there was a little bit of damage, not uh, curb damage, but just like road damage um, on two of the other ones. So, Three of the four are getting done. We'll see if it blends perfectly with the one that isn't getting uh, fixed up and, and redone. So thank you, Rich. Next up is Damon from Northbrook, Illinois. Another regular caller. Hey, Ryan. Damon out of Northbrook, Illinois here, calling regarding Tesla's reluctance to get into the V2G game. I think they said a couple of years ago in an investor meeting that they didn't see the practicality of it, being that if you're running your home off of your car's battery, that then you wouldn't be able to drive your car. But since most households in America, at least, have multiple cars, uh, you could you know, run your house off of your electric car while you take your gas car or your other electric cars um, out and run errands. And again, if you could hit up a supercharger, get some battery, bring it back to your house and then run your house. You could kind of run your home indefinitely through a power outage um, just by going to other charging sources that might have power. Uh, seems like a really great feature to have that um, a lot of competitors like Ford with the F-150 or Volkswagen with the ID Buzz that's coming out um, or even Nissan Leafs can do it through a third-party charger um, 
it seems like a, a bit of a, a missed step with the uh, uh, Teslas. Um, they might bring it along in the Cybertruck because it's supposed to be like this workstation super powerhouse that you can run all your work tools off of. I would have to imagine to match feature to feature with the F-150 that they would have it in there. But I'm just curious if you think this is a technology that Tesla will eventually put in their cars or if they might just be avoiding it because they want to sell power walls. All right. Well, thanks for all the hard work. Always appreciate the show and I'll look forward to your response. Thanks. Damon, I agree with you completely here. The cynical belief in the community, and not by everybody, but some people in the community, is exactly what you mentioned at the end there, that Tesla's trying to sell power walls. I don't necessarily disagree with that, or at least I do think it's a reasonable presumption to make. But getting to the core of your question, I do think that Tesla will eventually get there, hopefully with the Cybertruck first, As you mentioned, not just because the Cybertruck will have a big battery pack, but because the competition will hopefully force their hand. I mean, the Cybertruck has already been held back in part if that Reuters report from right before the earnings call was to be believed. And the core statement of that Reuters report, if you remember, was that the Cybertruck was getting delayed out of 2022, which was already proven correct. So that leads me to believe that the keeping up with the Joneses portion of that Reuters report may also be uh, on point. But, and and as such, so yeah, we know that then the Cybertruck may indeed be having more stuff added to it to keep up with the competition. And hey, I think that's great. I mean, this is exactly why competition is a good thing in the marketplace. Tesla has arguably never had real competition until very recently. The Taycan was arguably the first legit competitor to the Model S. The Mach-E and the ID4 are legit competitors to the Model Y. Uh, I'm not saying it again, I'm not saying they're better. They're just legitimate a lot, you know, you, you will cross shop them. And the uh what else? I mean, the the pickup trucks, that's kind of the other thing. The the electric pickup truck race. It's going to be crazy. I mean, you've got Rivian already coming out of the gate incredibly strong. So I hope Tesla does vehicle to grid or, you know, vehicle to home. I really do, both because they definitely can, they physically can do it, and it would help customers as power outages and extreme weather conditions sadly become more and more common around the country. Thanks for your call, Damon. I'm going to do one more call this week. It's from Stuart in Australia. Go ahead, Stuart. G'day there, Ryan. It's Stuart from Ballarat, just outside Melbourne, down under in Australia. So I'm a P100D Model X owner, and I'm waiting on a Roadster in very orange colour. And I've been working my guts out to make enough coin to be able to upgrade my order to a Founders Edition. You might be aware that the wait time for just a basic Model 3 is currently seven months in Australia. And in fact, you can't order a Model X or a Model S anymore. And when I'm regularly on the Tesla page doing my refresh to keep the dream alive, that I'll one day have enough money to order a Founders Edition, I was pretty sad to discover that it's no longer available. And so I'm just wondering, is that because the thousand cars that were originally allocated to be Founders Edition uh, has been exhausted? And also, after your comments about the Roadster last week, I I thought we could actually go one better. 
I don't think it should be a choice between the SpaceX package or the back seats. After five years and after all the gains that have been made in the design, why can't we have both? Um, I'm also worried, waiting on a Model Y to replace the Model X and there's still no sign of them coming down under. Do you think that when Giga Berlin finally gears up and delivering cars that it might take the pressure off Giga China and will allow them to send more right-hand drives uh, to other markets such as, uh, such as Australia? Thanks for everything that you do for the community. Love the show. Stuart, thank you for your call. I am happy to speak to these topics. First, it's impossible to know if all 1,000 Founder Series Roadsters have sold out, but I doubt it. Not because the car isn't going to be awesome and deserves to sell out. I'm not saying that, but two reasons why I believe that. One, because virtually nothing has even been said about that car for so many years that I think a lot of people just aren't even aware of it. For real, like ask around people that know Tesla in your life and say, did you know that they're doing a new Roadster? And I'll bet half of them or more say no. But uh, also, I mean, to that point, there's not even a concrete release date for that car beyond hopefully 2023. So to that end, I just can't imagine that there are a lot of orders going in for the Founder Series right now particularly since you had to, again, before it was taken off the website, uh, you had to put in the whole 250000 And number two, to that first point, the signature, looking at Tesla's history, the signature S and signature X back in the day, which were also limited to 1,000 cars each, did not sell out until production was just about to begin. They did sell out. They did sell all 1,000 of each of those. But they were available, there were spots available in that queue right up until just before the start of production. Which makes sense, right? Once the car's really imminent, it's actually finally about to come out, that's when people are going to be more confident in plunking down their money and getting their orders in. So I think the prices are going up on the Roadster, as I've talked about on the show before. And I think they're either going to cut off the Founder Series completely or it will be back with a higher price tag. I don't know what that'll mean if that happens. I don't know what that'll mean for people that have already put down the 250 uh, under the impression that it's the full amount or what, but we'll see about that. To your second thing about Giga Berlin taking the pressure off of Giga Shanghai, yes, I absolutely think that will be exactly what happens. Berlin is almost certainly gonna free up Shanghai to send more right-hand drive cars to your side of the world, since Shanghai will no longer have to deal uh, with the UK or really any of Europe, on, on, even on the left-hand side of, of production. So hopefully you can get that Model Y that you've been waiting on fairly soon, now that Giga Berlin is almost ready to open for business. Cheers, Stuart. Thanks to everybody who took the time to call in. I will get to more phone calls next week, but keep those calls coming. I gave you the dial-in instructions, the simple dial-in options for you at the top of this segment, so refer back to that if you are interested in calling in. Stick with me, though. I am not quite done yet. I've got more Ride the Lightning for you coming up right after this. (music) 
So this is the part of the podcast where I usually tell you what's going on with my car, what I'm up to, what I'm, adventures I'm going on, but uh, this is the part of the podcast where I'm going to tell you why I'm recording early this week. If you've been listening for a long time, you know that I uh, have mentioned my cousin, Pat, Patrick, from Arizona. I've mentioned him a lot uh, over, the, over the years of this podcast. Pat, uh, Pat passed away. Uh, last weekend at the age of 64. It was kind of a series of things. I'm not going to get into the explanation. Um, It was something of a surprise. And it's... uh, I've been... It's really come at me in waves as far as the, the, the emotional effect of it on me. And Pat... Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Pat, because I guess mostly what you probably know about Pat from what I've said on the podcast is that he was the first family member, even before my own wife, and she would readily acknowledge this, by the way, this is I'm not like speaking behind her back, but Pat was the first family member in my entire greater extended family, and I've got, I'm lucky I got to have a big extended family. My My mother was one of seven kids, and uh Pat was one of her cousins and it's just we're very I'm very lucky I'm part of a, a very large extended family who's who's very wonderful and and Pat uh to just you know relay the Tesla side of Pat I mean Pat believed in Tesla he was the first family member besides me to to really get into Tesla and share that passion about Tesla I mean, Pat used to visit me every summer here in the Bay Area. He would come up from Arizona, escape the heat down there. Like me, he loved baseball, and we would go see our Arizona Diamondbacks whenever they would do a weekend series with the San Francisco Giants here in San Francisco. And so we'd, we'd pick that series. We'd go to the three games, and we'd just sit and watch the ball games together, and we would talk sports. We would talk Tesla we would talk everything, but there was a lot of Tesla talk in there. And, you know, one year in the in the early part of the Tesla phase of it, because I've lived here since 2002, Pat's, I don't quite remember when he first started coming up to visit me, but in any case. So one year after I'd already been infected by the Tesla bug, which if you go back to episode one, that was 2009 for me was my Tesla origin story. And and so I think maybe it must have been 2010, maybe 2011. Pat was up visiting for the ball games, and we went and saw the original Roadster at the first Tesla showroom in Menlo Park, which sadly, by the way, is not there anymore. The building was demolished, and there are condos going up there now. So a little piece of Tesla history is gone, but... This was before the Model S had gone into production. People were aware of the Model S. People were putting reservations down on it, but the S hadn't gone into production. The Roadster was the only car that Tesla sold. And Pat was a very tall and pretty big guy. And it turned out he just didn't really fit in the Roadster. But he saw what the technology was about. He had talked to me a lot about it. And he was the one person in the family that actually had the financial means to do it. So again, and he was the only one that that was interested in that point, but he put down a Model S reservation. And he did that. That was before the Model S came out. So he had his his reservation before the car officially went into production. 
And the first time that we both, the first time each of us drove a Model S, actually was looking back at pictures this week, was Labor Day weekend of 2012. He'd come up here for, I guess the Diamondbacks must have been playing the Giants over Labor Day weekend. And it so happened that that Tesla was doing Model S test drives for people that had their $5,000 reservation deposit, which Pat did. And so he drove the car, you know, we go out with the salesperson and then uh, uh, they were gracious enough, both of them, the salespersons, because I didn't have a reserve, I didn't have it, you know, I couldn't afford it. And Pat that gave up some of his time and I got to drive it as well. So P85 is uh, the original gray color, not the midnight silver metallic we have now. I was just looking at the picture, like I said. And this was, uh, and then, so then he he goes home and the, the S at that point, you know, the signature versions were, were coming. It's Labor Day 2012. So his car arrived in, in fact, almost exactly nine years ago as I record this show. It was late February of 2013. And I was able to fly down to the Phoenix area like a week or two after he got it to join him in the fun of of the delivery and that new, you know, having a Tesla. And Pat was unendingly generous, not just to me, to everyone. He let me drive and drive and drive his brand new car when I came down. In fact, you talk to anybody who knew Pat and generous is probably the most common word that you will hear described about this man. He never married or had kids, but he lived his life, man. He lived a full life. He traveled the world. He used to cycle in France. He was a big Tour de France fan. He went to multiple Olympics. Uh, and on a smaller scale, again, he always came up and visited me every summer. We'd always go to ball games. And in those years between when he got his Model S and I eventually was fortunate enough to get my Model 3, anytime I was visiting Arizona, he always let me drive his car. And I will tell you, that meant, because again, remember, this is back before, owning one is still a, a pipe dream to me. And when he was so generous as to just hand me the key fob and say, have fun or let's go for a drive together and you drive. That meant so, so much to me. I mean, you really have no idea how much that meant to me. And when I did get my car in July of 2018, after all the waiting, all the saving, all the planning, all the podcasting at that point, he flew up here to be a part of it. He was there on delivery day. In fact, one of the few actual videos on my YouTube page, since you know I always mention at the end, I am on YouTube, but it's just audio only. You're just the only video is just a logo, a Ride the Lightning logo, and then it's just audio of the podcast. And that my I recorded, uh, or I had someone in the back seat, I guess, record my first launch in my Performance Model Three. I guess I had my wife do it. And Pat was sitting in the front seat. You can see him in the front passenger seat. And and that's Pat. And Pat was always so generous. And, and I, I'll tell you, I was so happy to get to slightly repay some of that generosity by using his referral code on the podcast in the, again, this is the early days of the podcast. 
and he got a set of arachnid wheels for his Model S, silver ones, which he loved. They're still on the, they're on the car right now. And I also got to bring him as my plus one to the Model Y event when I was lucky enough to get invited to that by Tesla. He drove out from Arizona, and I drove down from San Francisco. And we had a really fun time at that. In the last couple of years, he talked about buying a Performance Y so that he could have higher seating position that would make it easier for him to get in and out of with his, uh, not only the sort of his height and his body type, but he also had a, a bad leg. Um, he'd suffered a lot of fractures over the years. And he was... What's funny, it makes me laugh now that I think about it, just in, in it laugh in a just, you know, smiling, good memory way as it pertains to Tesla and Pat, is that I would say, well, okay, yeah, I mean, you could trade in your S and, you know, you still, you get a little, that was a, you know, fully loaded P85. You could get a decent trade in for it still and and make, you know, knock off some money off the bill for the performance Y. And Pat said, no, 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 I... He was insistent he would never get rid of that Model S. And the reason is because he loved the paint color. He had the original dark blue metallic that Tesla doesn't offer anymore and hasn't offered since, I believe, 2015 was the last time that color was available. And true to his, he did. He he never got rid of the car. He kept it. He kept it. Um, 99,000 miles he ended up with on it. Um, cause as it turns out, I know that because as it turns out with his, uh, his immediate family is, is uh, also, you know, in, in, in town now, uh, helping sort the affairs and the car has a, it, it sat for a while. Pat's been in and out of hospital a lot, uh, prior to his passing and, and, uh, the car had a, a 12 volt battery issue as, as they do, right. As happens with time, whether they're moving or not. And so the, I was asked to, if I could help deal with it. And, uh, and so, uh, I, I didn't quite know how to do do it because, you know, it's the cars are there. It's all in your app. It's all in your phone. It's all in through your account. Right. And the, 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 <laughs> The owner is deceased. Now, how do I get into this? And thankfully, a, a friend on the uh, in, on the inside at Tesla, I reached out to and explained the situation. And he uh, he went in and put my email address on Pat's account so that I could get in and make the appointment and call. You know, get get a mobile service set up to come out and and get the car back to back to driving shape and. Uh, so I was, I was, I was looking, you know, I, I had the app open with Pat's car on there and it's 99,000 miles is dark blue metallic P85. And yeah, he, he enjoyed it, man. He loved that car. He never bought anything close to that expensive. He had, he had a Harley that he loved to ride when the weather was right, which, you know, a lot of times it's too hot in Arizona. But for, you know, he couldn't ride, I mean, he, for many years he rode it, not not so much the last five or maybe more years, but, and he had, uh, he always had a lot of dogs. Pat would, um, he would rescue senior collies and huskies. Those were his breeds, and 
he 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 gave a lot of time and money and uh and just adoption to you know, support to those organizations those rescue organizations and and so he had a uh, he he used to just drive he had he had a, like vans he would have a van um and so his model s was just like it was completely different than anything he'd ever bought everything anything he'd ever drove and he loved it he loved it and i loved him and he loved what a loving human being and i'm so sorry he's gone and the last time i saw him was uh i mean he wasn't great but i thought he could be okay i saw him when i was over well, i was down in arizona over the new years I uh, saw him on New Year's Eve, and I went over to his house, and he uh, he couldn't really get out of bed at that point. I still thought he would be okay in time, but we had a nice conversation. I, I'm so grateful that I got to have a private, just, we talked for about 45 minutes about everything, including Tesla, including that Model Y that he still, that he wanted. And so, uh, yeah, my cousin Pat who I've mentioned on this podcast a lot over the years. Rest in peace, Pat. I love you. All right, there's uh, just a little bit to wrap up here. I don't, there's no way to segue past that, right? So uh, here's a pro tip of the week. I'll just turn the floor over to a listener. Here's uh, Xavier from Boston with a pro tip of the week. Hi, Ryan. This is Xavier calling from Boston. Uh, I just wanted to share a good tip with your audience. Uh, hopefully you'll like this one. So you know how in the plaid models you can uh, control the music from the back seat because of the second screen? Well, now you can do something like that in the non-plaid models. Uh, am I specifically talking about Spotify? So <clears throat> uh, if you go into Spotify, and the one thing you have to have for sure is you have to share the your account, your Spotify account with your kids. Right, so you start Spotify in, say, your Model 3. Uh, you go into the UI and you play one song. It doesn't matter what song. Then your kids in the back seat, uh, using their cell phones, can log on to the Spotify account on the cell phone. And from that point on, they can control the music in the car. Um, you know, they can play any song they want. So the two key things are you got to share the same account and you have to play at least one song. It doesn't matter what song. And from that point on, when they log into their account, Spotify and the cell phone, then they can control it. All right. Hopefully you like that. And uh, thanks for all you do. Keep up the good work. Thank you. That is a great hack of sorts there, Xavier. Thank you very much for that one. Also, I just realized I don't think I ever said why. I mean, you probably figured it out. I'm, I'm recording early because I'm going down to... Arizona for the funeral for Pat. So that's, uh, I realize I didn't actually say that. You you figured it out. Anyway, uh, pro tip of the week, if you've got one, I would love to hear it because I do get to learn a lot from this segment of the podcast and hopefully you do too. So you can send your pro tips of the week in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. Uh, before I go, let me mention some friends of the podcast. Let me start with abstractocean.com. So many great aftermarket Tesla accessories from the lighting kits, the uh, vinyl wrap kits for the you know earlier 
Model 3 uh, interior, the center consoles that, that are super glossy and scratch and fingerprint easily, like mine, which, uh, so you can get a nice, you know, you do some different patterns or different things on there. There's the tempered glass screen protectors. They got the nice fourth generation, really slick one now. Just a ton of stuff going on at abstractocean.com for all four Teslas. Check them out, and whatever you're going to buy, just buy it all at once because the coupon code RTLPODCAST, that's all one word, RTL Podcast, gets you 15% off of your first order. So thank you to abstractocean.com for continuing to offer that to the Ride the Lightning audience. Meanwhile, the Snap Plate is available at everyamp.com slash RTL. That's everyamp.com slash RTL. That's your front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds and doesn't use automotive tape like the one Tesla gives you. So it goes on securely but can come off easily as well. You can take it off for car shows, take it off while you're washing or detailing the car, put it back on if you're parked at a parking meter so you can avoid a parking ticket, etc., etc., Grab yours for all four Tesla models. Again, everyamp.com slash RTL. Budget safe solar. Hey, if you're considering solar for your home or business, yeah, you're going to check in, check in with Tesla themselves, but you should also reach out to budget safe solar for another opinion. See, you know, see what you think of them as well. They're a friend of the podcast. Their deal is they want to take time to understand your exact needs like a real estate agent, but for solar. They're going to help you find the best option that's going to work for you and your home. And being independent consultants, they've uh, accrued a lot of different solutions to try and help everybody out. They're operating in all 50 states plus Puerto Rico, so odds are good they will be able to help you out. And hey, if you're interested in joining the growing solar industry, you can also reach out and contact them for that as well. So learn more. Uh, reach out budgetsafesolar.com and the referral code if you do proceed with a solar installation use the referral code RTL meanwhile Immaculate Reflections the local Bay Area detailer for me he's uh, Jeff is the purveyor there he is he's uh, the proprietor I should say owner and proprietor he has taken such great care of my car in the three plus years that I've had it. And he will take good care of yours as well. I promise you, I guarantee you, many a Ride the Lightning listener has been to Jeff and they've all left happy. Because uh, I hear from a lot of you. And it's uh, and I get to talk to Jeff about what he's doing with, with the listener cars. It's awesome to see. Just mention, if you do book in with him, which by the way, you can do by contacting him through his website, which is irdetailing.com. Mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and there will be a little discount waiting for you. So why not take advantage of that if you and or your car are going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. PureTesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. 49 bucks for the 128 gigabyte micro SD based solution that is plug and play. You just tear open the package, which by the way is shipped free anywhere in the U.S., Plug it straight into the car. It's formatted. It's ready. It just works. It's that simple. And because it's micro SD based, it's designed for the constant wear and tear that the dash cam and sentry mode use. And that thing's never going to wear out on you. You're going to have a good experience with that. I've been using mine for quite a while. 
It's bulletproof. Get yours at puretesla.com slash RTL. Other interesting products, you've got Jada and their family of Tesla aftermarket accessories. I, of course, am a uh, user of the wireless charging pad since I've got an older Model 3 that doesn't have it built in the way the newer ones do. So the wireless charging pad's awesome. The Jada USB hub console is great for the newer Teslas with the newer center console. And that has pretty much everything you need in there. It charges AirPods wirelessly. It charges your Apple Watch wirelessly. It is a USB hub. It is a storage organizer. Check that out. Check all of it out. If you're gonna buy anything, do me a favor. One, use the coupon code RTL for a discount. But to the other favor, I guess that's me doing you a favor. The favor you can do me is using my referral link to get to the site in the first place, then use the coupon code and buy whatever you want to get. So the referral link, please, is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, if you are not already subscribing slash following the podcast on whatever your favorite podcast service is. I'm on pretty much all the big ones, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, talked about YouTube earlier, just in audio only form. Uh, You can subscribe slash follow. It's free. It means the podcast will push out to you each time there's a new episode, which of course is every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. You won't have to remember to go find the show. It will find you. Finally, the Patreon. That is the primary way, the preferred way through which you can support the podcast purely on a voluntary basis. But my hope is that eventually I will earn your support. You'll feel like, you know what? I really like this podcast. Uh, Ryan puts in the work, puts in the time, and I would like to support him. You can do that via Patreon on specifically my Patreon page, which is located at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Support tiers start at just five bucks a month. What is that, like a Starbucks? Five bucks a month, and that uh, will get you, well, you'll be supporting me, which is super appreciated, but you, in return, uh, will also get early access to each week's show. And in this case, since I'm having to record on Thursday night, you'll get the show a couple of days early, which hopefully you find beneficial. Uh, Then, you know, there are support tiers that go up and up from there and offer more and more perks that stack on top of each other all the way up to, you know, there's the the maximum plaid tier that uh, gets all kinds of stuff, including that monthly Zoom hangout where we just, a group of us get together and we talk about what's going on in the world of Tesla and just have a good time with that. So, you know, just check out the page if you get a chance, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And maybe at some point you'll feel like, uh, hey, it's time to support Ryan. And and if not, well, the podcast is still always going to be free for you. So, all right. Um, I got to finish up here. Oh, social medias. If you want to follow me on either of the two that I'm on, Twitter and Instagram, they're both, I'm on the same handle for both of them, DMC underscore Ryan. And with that, let me say hello and thank you to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers. Starting with the Plaid crew, thank you so much to George Cassioppo, David Brander, 
Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Dorian Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Rick Dean, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, and Peter. Next up, the Maximum Plaid backers. Thank you so much to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, Sonartech77, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, and EVSpeedy.com. And finally, the Roadster in Space Tier backers. Thank you first to the upgrading backer, Victoria Iacoveto. Thank you so much, Victoria, for the very generous pledge upgrade to the Roadster in Space Tier along with the other Roadster and Space Tier folks, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Nydig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, and yes, Victoria as well. So thanks to all of you for your very generous and continued support of my efforts here with Ride the Lightning Weekend and week out. That is my, my goal is to, again, to A, be here every week and never miss a week. And I've got a good track record there. But number two, uh, do a good enough radio show like podcast that you want to listen this far every week. I don't know how many people actually make it this far because there's a lot going on at the end. But in any case, thank you so much for listening, no matter how much of the podcast that you listen to for a snoozing Daisy the Boxer. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was the palindromatic Ride the Lightning episode 343. And I will be back at uh, the usual 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific time each and every Sunday. I'll see you then. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. 
it's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun. Hi, my name is Kaylee. Um, my fiance Dylan loves this podcast and has been listening to to it forever. He listens to it in the shower, on road trips, on the plane, and now I know way more about Teslas than I ever needed or wanted to know. Really, we're getting married next month, and I thought it would be fun for him to hear me say how excited I am to marry him and how much I love him on his favorite podcast. Um, Dylan, you're the supercharger to my heart, and I can't wait to be your wife. <laughs> 